So have you heard of the Christian song, Dear Younger Me? It's a great song, I love it. There's a band called Mercy Me that sings it. And even if you haven't heard the song or not, you can probably guess pretty quickly from the title what the song is actually all about. Dear Younger Me. It's these artists singing, wishing they could talk to their younger selves. Now that they understand how the world works, now they understand better the, the power and the might of God inside this world, wish they could go back to their younger selves and, and pour knowledge and uh, love into themselves. If you could do that, if you could actually go back and talk to the younger version of yourself, what advice would you give yourself? For me, I would talk to my five-year-old self and I would say, no, John, you do not need to circle 155 things in the Sears catalog of all the things you think you have to have for Christmas. Those things just don't matter. I'd probably go back and talk to my 11-year-old self and I'd say, no, John, do not jump off the roof of the garage. Even though your older sisters who love you and adore you and want you not to get harmed or hurt, say you will not get harmed or hurt. You're going to get hurt. <laughs> do not jump. If I could, I would go back to my 16-year-old self and I'd say, no, John, you are not in love. You think you're in love but you just, you really don't know what love is. If you could actually go back and if you could talk to your younger self, what advice would you actually give? Here's the problem, here's the issue. You and I, we can't go back to our younger self. That, that person is long gone. But what we can do is something pretty cool, pretty unique that we're gonna do in these videos here, these first three videos this week. We're gonna fill out a dear future me letter. I'm going to ask you to talk to your future self. Now, how are we going to do that? A number of years ago, I went to a youth leader conference and it was this ability for us to try to be awesome, to get better at working with youth and just impacting their lives. And one of the presenters did something that just touched my, my heart. That person had us fill out a dear future me letter. It was about our past and present and future. So, so I'm feverishly filling this thing out and I seal it up in an envelope and I give it back to the presenter and the presenter held it for a year and then mailed it to me. So I'm just going about my business and life and all of a sudden I'm going through the mail and oh man, that looks like my handwriting. And I look deeper and I'm like, oh, that's that letter that I wrote. I, I remember I did it, but I couldn't remember what I wrote. And there I was going through my own words to my own soul, to my own heart. It was, it was powerful. Powerful to see where I was and where I'd come. Powerful to see where I was and where I still was struggling. And so that's what I want us to do this week. It's Thanksgiving week. I want you to do something that you will be deeply thankful for a year from now. So how do we do that? At the end of this video, there's a description. And in that description, there's going to be a link. And you can click on that link and you'll be able to print this off. All right, this is the Dear Future Me letter. Uh, so print one off for you and for as many people might be watching this video with you. And then in the next three days, today in the next two videos, we're gonna fill this out and you're gonna write to your future self. So what's the first one about? The first box that's here. And it's all about your past. Where do you struggle with guilt? What is it when it hits your mind and it hits your heart and you remember what you did and you feel this rotten, putrid, awful? Like how, 
how could God actually love me? Or, or how can I, as a Christian, actually tell someone else, don't you do that, when I did it myself? We feel like such a, such a hypocrite. What is that for you? What guilt plagues you? Now, here's my question. If that thing that you're thinking of is something you did 17 years ago, seven years ago, seven minutes ago, but if it's something, if you went, Lord God, I am I'm so sorry, please, please forgive me. When you finish that prayer, you're forgiven. It, it's gone. God's forgiveness for you is immediate and it's permanent. That is a truth that he gives to you. In fact, he says this uh, right here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So if God remembers your sins no more, then that sin of your past, even, even if you did it seven minutes ago, it's gone. It's not there anymore. So, so God doesn't want you to have guilt feelings from that. Because guilty means liable for punishment. And Christ took that punishment for you. It, it's gone. So when the devil attacks you with guilt, what I want you to do is this. Say, devil, that is not me anymore. I'm forgiven. When the devil attacks you with guilt feelings of your past, instead, know that you're forgiven and turn what was a stumbling block into a stepping stone, growing you closer and closer to God in thanksgiving for what he's done for you. So, we're at the end of the video here in just a moment. What I want you to do, remember, at the end, click on the link that's there, print off this Dear Future Me letter, and then this first part right here, Fill out that part talking about your past. Promise to yourself that you're going to be done with the guilt of something that God has mercifully, powerfully, and fully forgiven you of. And then a year from now, you'll know if you've moved on and you've lived not in guilt, but you lived in grace. I'll see you tomorrow. This week, we are trying something uh, a little different and fun. I'm going to challenge you challenge you to do something you'll be really thankful for a year from now. If you go to the end of this video, there's a description that's there and you'll find a link. In that link, you can print off this. This is called the Dear Future Me letter. We actually started this yesterday, so you'll need to go back and watch yesterday's video. But what you'll do is you're going to take a spiritual snapshot of your life right now and you're going to get this, read this, a year from now. So print off as many as you'll need for yourself or however many people are watching with you. And right now we're going to go through the middle section. So what's going on in your life right now? What's your stress? What's your anxiety? What's, what's crushing down upon you? Because even if you try so hard and you plan so well, sometimes life just, well, just drop kicks you in the face. I mean, you try and everything goes wrong. Where is that for you right now? Where are you stuck in pressure and anxiety and you just think things just aren't going to get better? Well, there's an incredible section, amazing section in God's Word that talks directly about this. Paul, who is a traveling pastor, went to a city called Philippi and he encouraged them in God's Word. The Holy Spirit did amazing, amazing work there. And then Paul wrote back to them a book um, called Philippians in the Bible. And he speaks directly about how to find, how to find joy in difficult spots in your life. And he specifically talks about anxiety and dealing with anxiety in chapter four. 
And so this is what Paul says as God is speaking through Paul to us. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, you might hear these words and go, how is that possible? God, how do you think that I can actually not be anxious about anything when my marriage is falling apart? How do you expect me not to be anxious about anything when I tried out for the basketball team and I got cut or softball or volleyball or whatever your sport is and I don't really know who I am anymore if I can't play that sport? God, how do you expect me not to be anxious when I'm failing in a grade or my parents are fighting again? God, seriously, how do you expect me not to be anxious when my loved one, my grandma, my grandpa, brother, sister, whatever it is, is sick and dying? How do you expect me not to be anxious when I've got cancer, when I can't pay the bills? How, God, can you write these words, do not be anxious about anything? Especially when, wasn't Jesus overwhelmed? Wasn't Jesus stressed beyond stressed in his life? I mean, when you look back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. If that was Jesus, how can you tell me do not be anxious about anything? Now see, understand, this section of God's word is so, so often misunderstood. Because you've got to go back to the original Greek that's here. And God's got something pretty cool in this. He puts this verb of do not be anxious he puts it in the present tense. Now, I've come to learn that if a verb is in the present tense, it shows an ongoing action. And so what God's saying here is do not continually be stuck in anxiety. Don't have this feeling of hopelessness that things could not get better. And so God then says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Jesus, when he was overwhelmed, what did he do? He prayed. And that's exactly what God is saying here, to align ourselves with the will of the Father. And when Jesus aligned himself with that will of the Father and said, Father, your will be done, he rose from that prayer and he conquered the devil. And that, my friends, that is the reason why it says that you can pray with thanksgiving because of what Jesus did. That Jesus took on the devil so that you don't have to. That Jesus destroyed the power of death so that you don't have to fear death. That Jesus conquered all and is in all and will work all for the good of those who love him for you. And so God says again here, if you throw off that anxiety and just trust, trust that God is God and let God be God, then verse 7 comes in and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, even if you don't know how God can make this better, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. No matter what you're facing right now, no matter what stress, anxiety is there, God's got this because he's got you. What I really want you to do right now is I want you to take a moment, take time, go to the back page the middle section here, um, so it's top of the page here, but it's the middle of the three boxes, and, and fill this out. Take a, a spiritual snapshot of your life right now, your fears, your anxieties, your stresses, and write those out. And a year from now, you're going to know if you got through that, how God resolved that. And you're going to look back and go, really? I was stressed out about that? Man, God took care of that. Or you might look back and go, 
I'm still stressed on this. Man, I haven't really given this fully over to God. I've, I've got to just give this to God and let it be with him. Take that spiritual snapshot of your life. It'll be a powerful thing that you're going to look at a year from now. Until that point, just know this. God is taking care of everything for you. And he loves you. You made it. You made it to day three. We're almost done with this exercise that we've been going through called the Dear Future Me Letter. If you're just joining us today, you have no clue what's been going on. That's okay. I'm glad that you're here. But what I'm going to ask you to do is at the end of this video, there's a description and there's going to be a link there. You click on that link and you're going to print this off. This is the Dear Future Me Letter. And we've been in the process of filling this out. It's a letter. We're going to mail to ourselves in the future and it's going to be Thanksgiving week next year. It'll be a pretty powerful thing. So you'll need this to print off for yourselves, for as many people as watching the video with you. So today we are on the last section. We are going to talk about our future. So what is stressing you out, freaking you out about your future? So many times we can lay these great plans and have this great design of what we think should happen, but a lot of times we just don't get there. And we can get pretty overwhelmed and we worry. We worry, will I not get there? Because when we try to vision what we will look like, we just see all the things that are in the way instead of what it really looks like getting there. And all that worry can just consume us, destroy us, stop us from being able to take that next step or the next step or the next step and we just give up. So where's your worry right now about your future? I've heard it be said that three out of five people worry about their future and the other two are just lying about it. <laughs> I think we all do. We have a lot of stress with that. And so God's got this cool section of scripture where he gives to you a warning and a promise. This is Jesus talking with his disciples just before he goes to the cross and he warns them about what's coming but he gives them a beautiful promise. And that promise isn't just for them. It's a promise for you and me because we need it with all the worry that we've got in our lives about our future. So this section comes from the book of John. It's chapter 16 and Jesus says this to you. In this world, you will have trouble. There's the warning. God says there's going to be big and there's going to be ugly and there's going to be things in your way. And there's going to be times that you think life is going to change and life is going to turn. It's going to go around the corner. And when you can't see around that corner, it causes a lot of worry. And God says, when you go around the corner, there's going to be problems. That's just going to be this world. But thankfully, God doesn't stop there. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't just say, in this world, you'll have trouble. Well, good luck. I'll see you later. No, he says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Christ Jesus has overcome every problem, every adversity. He's seen everything because God, Jesus, is outside of time. God knows exactly what is in the future. And so here, he sees his future self on the cross. He knows that he's going to destroy the power of sin, death, and the devil on that cross. And so he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. He hasn't even done it yet. But he knows that he will. And God knows what's in your future. He knows the pain, the adversity that's going to be there. And yet God says, take heart, have comfort, find strength in the fact that I've overcome the world. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to grab out your Dear Future Me letter. 
And I want you to write in this last section what you want your life to look like in the future, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Write out what you hope to have yourself find of yourself, in yourself, in the future. And as you do that, talk about the different things that you're worried about that you're going to encounter and know that you are not going to walk alone, that God is going to be there with you. So when you finish this up, if you have to go back and watch some other videos, it's fine. But when you finish this letter up, what I want you to do is, is fold it, fold up the letter, and then put it inside of an envelope, like so. Seal it. That does not taste good. <laughs> Seal it up. And it's going to stay sealed. We are, we are not going to open this up. Write your address right here. Okay. Put a stamp on it and then take this envelope. And as many people are watching this with you, if you're doing an entire class or your family, take all the envelopes or, or just yours and put it in an, another envelope, a bigger one. And yes, this is overkill. It's just the only envelope I could find, but put this inside of a bigger envelope and seal it up. This is what you're going to mail to us at time of grace. So we're going to put up on the screen right now, we're going to put our address and we're going to have it be attention, dear future me, with uh, the time of grace address. Send that to us. We're going to hold on to these. And then a year from now, we'll rip this open. We'll take out the envelopes that are inside. We'll leave them sealed and we'll toss them in the mail to you. And one year from now, you're going to get your own words, talking to your own heart, showing the power of God and where we need to still work on our trust in the power of God. It's a powerful thing. I'm excited for you. This is a, a cool exercise, a unique way to take that spiritual snapshot of your life and just see where have I grown, where have I progressed, and to see the, the power of God bringing change in your life. Or a year from now, you're going to look at a couple of things and go, man, I'm still struggling. I got to double down in my Bible study. I got to double down in my prayer life and know and just trust that God's always got this. And he does. The power of the Lord is on you and through you. Jesus loves you more than you'll ever, ever know. God's got this because God's got you. So today is Thanksgiving Day. I, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I hope this day is a great day of a lot of joy and a lot of celebration. Uh, what are your plans? Um, maybe you are hosting at your casa, so you are busy, busy, busy. You are cooking and you are cleaning and you are prepping and you are preparing for all the crazy that is your family coming over to your house. Or maybe you're the one bringing your crazy someplace else and you're going to be driving somewhere and now you're kind of regretting agreeing to make the uh, green bean casserole. It's, that's something you can't just buy from the store like, you know, that slacker person bringing the pumpkin pie. That would be me. I'm not a baker. Maybe today you're stuck working. Those are your plans and you are just not happy about it. No matter what your plans are today, no matter where you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, the who of Thanksgiving hasn't really changed. And I know this is a, a secular holiday and so some people don't like it being part of the church, but what a great day to, to pause, to reflect, to, to give thanks for all the incredible ways that God blesses us. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's small. And whether you've got plenty right now or less, man, you can always find reason to give thanks to God. Even if your burdens are a little bit 
bigger this year, even if your weight is a little heavier this year, even if your wallet is a little thinner this year, again, we can always find reason to give thanks. And that's exactly what we hear about in 1 Thessalonians. We hear this in chapter 5, where God's encouraging us and he says, give thanks in all circumstances. So that's the good and the bad, and when things are just kind of boring, thank God for boring times, because that means that everything is just nice and smooth. God says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is that we just always, always, always be thankful. I think on Thanksgiving Day, we do a pretty good job of thanking God for the, the big things. Thanking God for faith and for family, for friends, for our job, for a house, for a car. Some of those bigger things we tend to remember, and that's all great. But I want to challenge you today to give thanks in all circumstances, to give thanks for those small little things, the things that we, we just overlook but make our lives so much better. Like indoor plumbing. It, it hit me the other day that my grandpa did not have indoor plumbing. My mom, dad, when they were born, they didn't have indoor plumbing. My grandpa went to church on a horse and buggy when he was a little kid. We have advanced so, so far. And we forget about all these things. Today, I'm going to challenge you to do the ABCs of Thanksgiving. A cool little thing that you can do on this day to be intentional on giving thanks. This is something you can do on your car ride over to wherever you're celebrating, around the dinner table or during halftime at the football game for the tryptophan of the turkey sets on in. I want you to do the ABCs of Thanksgiving. What's that? Everyone that's with you, uh, the dinner table, on the couch, wherever you're at, everyone thinks of something that starts with the letter A that they're thankful for. And everyone goes around and says what that is and why. And then you go with B around the table, what that is and why, and C. Eventually, it gets a little hard. X, Y, Z, Q, U, you have to get a little creative in there. But it's a pretty cool thing to, to do and to just pause and reflect. So for example, it might go something like this. Uh, someone says, A, uh, man, I'm thankful for apple pie. Because it just, it reminds me of grandma. And then a teenage girl at the table goes, I'm thankful for Applebee's. It reminds me, of, reminds me of my first date with Brad. <laughs> and then that teenage daughter's dad goes, anyone but Brad. <laughs> I'm thankful for anyone but Brad. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but you get the idea. It's a really cool, powerful thing. Now here's the other challenge with this. When anyone says anything that's like of the Bible from the Bible, like you get to J and someone says Jesus, rather than going, yeah, that's obvious. I want everyone to say, amen. G, God, amen, forgiveness, amen, because amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for all your goodness and all your blessings to us. I guarantee you that little exercise, the ABCs of Thanksgiving, will cause you to be thankful, to give thanks, as God says, in all circumstances. That's God's will for you, and it's a cool little exercise to do it. Have a happy Thanksgiving, have a joyful day, and remember, give thanks to God. Happy Black Friday. Doesn't that sound weird? It, right? It sounds weird to say Happy Black Friday. We wish each other a happy Thanksgiving, a happy Fourth of July, but to hear the words Happy Black Friday, it just sounds a bit weird. 
because so often this day, this day of Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, it's not full of a lot of things that are happy. It's full of crowds and crowds of people shoving and pushing and tired and hangry and fighting for this little discount thing. It's full of people that are willing to get up super early for doorbuster sales. But then two days later, won't get up for nine o'clock church because, well, I need my sleep. It's full of people that are stuck at work that just, they really don't want to be there. They just want to be with their family. This day isn't always that happy. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not anti-Black Friday. I enjoy it, actually. Uh, my wife and I, if there's something that we need in the house, uh, we'll kind of wait until Black Friday comes and we'll get like one or two items that we, we need for the house. And then we kind of people watch. We just see the, the symphony of crazy uh, that happens in front of us. Black Friday is a, a cool day. It's kind of a fun day. But so many people are out there hunting and hunting and hunting. And it's all based, maybe not all based, but there's a lot of people that are just there on greed. Or they say, I, I need this. I need this. And really, how much stuff do you really need? You know, we can always look around and, and find someone else that's got life going better than you do. They got the nicer car or nicer clothes or nicer vacation. And we think, man, if I could get that stuff, I would be happy. But really, our, our happiness isn't based on stuff. You know, I, I just met a couple at a wedding. Uh, incredible couple. Um, really fun. We hit it off really well. They just put an addition onto their house, which includes an indoor ice skating rink. Indoor ice skating rink. And, and he bought a personal Zamboni. Yeah, they're doing way better than we're doing. But their happiness wasn't based on their stuff. I mean, they're a really happy couple. Wonderful couple. But it, it wasn't based on stuff. Stuff, stuff just doesn't really make you happy. And really, think about this day. All the stuff that we want to buy. It's not going to fill a void in your life. It's not truly going to bring happiness. And so many of the stuff that we think that we need... We really don't. All right, let me put this into perspective for you just a little bit about how blessed, how truly blessed you really are and how you don't need, you don't need more stuff. If you have a home that has a front door that locks, if you have food inside of that home in your pantry, if you have a closet in your home that has more than three pairs of clothes, if you have a mode of transportation that's reliable, even if it's not a car, but you could use public transportation and you can pay for it. If you have got more than $10 in a bank somewhere, if you can say any of those things, that means that you're wealthier than over 90% of the people on the planet. The stuff, the stuff that we clamor after on Black Friday, just, is it worth it? Is it worth it? It really isn't. And God says this. God gives us a warning in, in about this in, in Luke chapter 12. God says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, even if it's hidden in, well, I got it on discount. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, a person's life, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Again, I'm not anti-Black Friday, and you're not sinning if you go out with Black Friday, but don't have it consume you. And don't have the hunt be the reason why you have true joy in this day. The day of reason you have true joy is because of what God has done for you. 
true happiness, true happiness is, it's not found in a shopping cart full of doorbuster deals. True happiness is found in a heart that's full of Jesus. Christ Jesus, who, who busted down the door to heaven for you when he destroyed the grave. True happiness is not found by flipping through all those Black Friday ads, trying to find that, that must-have item. No, true happiness is found by flipping through scripture and looking and seeing in there that God said that you, that you are that must-have item. And true happiness is not found in a credit card swipe. It's found in God wiping away every single one of your sins. True happiness, it's not found on this day. It's not found on Black Friday. The true happiness, it's found on Good Friday. When God paid full price, not discounted rate, full price, his full body, his full blood. Why? To buy you. Because why? You. You are worth it. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Did you know that the video you just saw and everything we do at Time of Grace is completely donor funded? Which is our way of saying we don't have a tree that grows money in the back of our office. And we don't get government funds and we're not connected to one specific church. And even though we get to do media ministry, we're not flush with cash. Instead, we rely on people just like you whose open hearts and generosity let us spread the message of Jesus to more and more people through so many platforms. So thank you so much for your support. All of you who have given and made this possible, we are grateful for you. And we really need all of you to step up, be generous, so that we can spread the message of God's grace to the ends of the earth. Thanks again and have a great day. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thank you so much for investing your limited time to grow in your faith with us. But could I ask you for one more favor? I'm sure you're itching to check out social media or go on to the next part of your day, but you could do a huge help for the kingdom of God if you would rate and review this podcast. Just taking a few seconds of your time will help other people to find time of grace, which matters so much to us because we want people to hear about grace, to hear about Jesus, to hear about eternal life. So thanks for taking a little more time. We pray that God blesses you with a great day and we'll see you soon.